You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. All right, well, good morning. Good to be with you guys. So glad you're here. Um, My name's Ryan. Those of you that are new, welcome to North Valley. We are in a teaching series called Unapologetic, Truth About marriage and parenting. So there's something here. I think for everybody, anybody that wants to get married ought to pay attention. Anybody who is married ought to pay attention. Anybody who's interested in kids or is a kid ought to have uh, some attention in the, in the today's service. So we're going to get started in just a minute. I wanted to share with you a story about parenting before we get going to help you know that I'm, I am not a perfect parent at all. Um, in fact, when, when I found out that Sam and Riley, we have twins, um, 17 years old. We also have an adoptive kiddo who is 11 years old. We adopted little Maya when she was about a year old here in the Phoenix Valley. But when the doctor told us we were going to have twins, I literally almost passed out. My wife was crying. I told the doctor, please don't do this to my wife. This is really alarming and uh, asked for a second opinion. And the doctor told me I am the second opinion. So... Uh, it was a lot to take in. I was barely feeling like I was the great husband, and then all of a sudden I'm going to be having two kids. So it's a lot. It can be a lot. I remember one time we were down in Dallas. I was at Dallas Seminary. My wife said, you got the house, you got the kids. Uh, be careful. I'm like, I got this. I'm good. And so uh, I go out to grab the mail out of the mailbox. I come uh, back in. I'm looking through the mail. I'm hoping scholarship funding is coming together for my tuition, very expensive at Dallas Seminary. And so I'm getting to the door. I grab the door and I try to open it and I can't open it. And I'm like, I did not lock that door. Who is in my house? And I see my little kids going, in the window. And they are about, they're little midgets, about this tall at this point in time, very little people, but very clever people. And they locked me out of the house and I am begging them. And all they give me is gibberish. They do not know English very well at this point in time. And they're just kind of mouthing off little words. They have binkies in their hand and their thumb in their hand a lot and uh, sucking their thumb. And so anyway, I go to every single opening in the house, every window, every door, and I try to get in and I cannot get in. And they follow me and they find me and they're like, hey, in every little spot. Then I go to the back door and I start trying to pick up the garage And then I go to my back office and I'm thinking this will be it. I could maybe get into the office. And then I see uh, Sam and Raleigh. They're both little twins about this tall. And so then um, Sam takes off and runs off. And then Riley speaking half English. And I say, where's Sam? And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, what's he doing? And she said, bathtub. And I said, "Did did you say bathtub? And she runs and goes like, hold on. And she runs off and then she's gone for about a minute or two. She comes back. I'm standing outside of my office window. And she's like, yeah, he in bathtub. He's taking bath. And so I'm like, this is not good. I can just see it, you know. Like this could go really, really bad. And they did not have a good history being in the bathtub. One time we came in, the water was filled up and my daughter was sitting on my son underwater. And I'm like, time out, no drowning, okay? So I'm thinking this is not good. And then she says to me, he's in the bathtub, it's getting higher or whatever, I figured it out. 
So this is a, a parenting mistake. I decided I'd be the financial saver. I did away with the cell phone for three years. So no cell phone, can't get a hold of Leslie. I got no way in. I don't know my neighbors very well. Time is of the essence. I think a child is about to drown. So I'm like, Lord Jesus, what do I do? And all I heard was pick up a rock and break the window. So I'm like, I pick up a rock and I'm like, get back, get back. And so, cause now Riley's there in the window. She's in my office with her binky and, and Sam is nowhere to be found. This is five to six minutes in now. And I'm like, this is terrible. And I keep thinking, Lord Jesus, please, please bring Leslie home really quickly. I don't want to break this window. We don't have enough money to pay for this window. It was a rental house. And so I'm thinking, I'll explain to the landlord. Sorry, I just threw a rock through the window. But uh, so I'm praying Leslie shows up and literally nothing's happening. So I'm standing there for like a minute or two, maybe three with the rock over my head. And I'm like, ah, oh, shoot, you know, and I'm just thinking, I do not want a dead child. This would be the worst thing in the world. So I'm like, get out of the way. She gets out of the way. So then right then my wife pulls up and she goes, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, you... And then I jump through the window, find a little Sambo, and he's just having a great time with his rubber ducky, just having a great time. Pull him out, and we're all good. Uh, ever been there before as a parent? Done something really, like you're like, how did that happen? What did I do? Many of you have lost your children. Uh, I found them one time. Uh, some of you uh, have a hard time keeping up with them. Some of you like to drop them off and make them stay way over there a way long time. And uh, you enjoy the time away because parenting is hard. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the role of parenting. I think there's uh, the issue of like some of you parent, you parent with a lot of rules. You're like uh, the legalist, the law keepers. And then a lot, of, a lot of you are not about the rules. You're all about the relationship. You just want to have fun. You want to be loved. You want to be the coolest dad or the coolest mom. Um, let me show you some dynamics of parenting. Um, number, there's three of them. There's one that's called rules uh, minus relationship. This is what can happen is the kids can turn out and fall into rebellion. If you're over here on the super law side, uh, you pro provide lots of rules but you're disconnected and you don't provide the relationship for the kid, then this is what you get with rebellion. This is a lot of times um, the latchkey kids. They, the parents provide a lot of rules for their kids and they don't have the relationship with their kids because they're busy. They're working. They're so busy, they don't have time to be a good parent, to connect with the kid. And so the rules are there but the relationship isn't, and so kids fall into rebellion. Number two, there's the relationship minus the rules, and this leads to reckless living. These are the party parents. How many of you in high school ever went over to the party house where mom and dad were throwing the party for the kids? Raise your hand. Okay, let's be honest. Okay, how many of you went to the parties with the mom and the dad, mom or dad, that was throwing the party for the kids? Raise your hand. Okay, a bunch of you, see, I know. The party parents, this is them. Some of you are that parent, and you want all the relationship. This happens a lot in divorced uh, uh, families. 
the dad is the rule keeper, the mom's the all relationship, or the dad's the relationship and the mom's the rule keeper. And so when kids are going back and forth, they get all rules in one household. The next one, they get all relationship. Here's what you have is some parents choose, I want relationship, but I don't want to provide the rules. And then this is what ends up happening. You get reckless living. It's like telling a kid you should drive and then giving them the keys, but you never taught them the road rules. That's like reckless. It doesn't work very well. What does work? Here it is, is rules plus relationship equals right direction. Kids need rules. They need the law. They need to understand these are the, the rules of the household. If you want to live here, this is what it looks like. If you're our family, this is what it looks like. Relationship, I love you. I'm, I'm going to be here for you. I want to connect. I want to understand how you're doing. I want to help you. I'm going to take time off of work so I can spend more time with you. We've been really busy. Let me make up for that. That's rules plus relationship. That equals the right direction. I think there's seven unapologetic truths that we need to look at the, uh, today when we talk about parenting. This is a topical message. This is a topical message series. Um, most of the teaching series that I do, I'll go verse by verse through a book. Uh, oftentimes, we've been in John for a year plus, and uh, we'll return to that after Labor Day. But this morning, I'm giving you seven unapologetic truths about parenting. This applies to grandparents. This applies uh, to parents. Um, number one is be filled with God's Spirit first and foremost. You cannot be the parent or grandparent that you need to be unless the Holy Spirit has got rule and reign in your life. You need Jesus Christ first and foremost. The greatest priority in your life is not your wife or not your husband. It's not your kid. It's Jesus. Uh, he has to be number one. What did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God and all those other things, they'll be added to you as well. Um, the Apostle Paul said this basically when he was laying out instructions for parents and for uh, married couples. He said Ephesians 5.18 to the party parents. He says, uh, don't get drunk with wine. That's, that's debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes into, if you look in, in Ephesians in your Bibles, he's like, then he goes into instructing about husbands and wives and kids and fathers and mothers. You need to be filled up with God's Spirit in your life. The greatest influencer in your kid's life or your grandchild's life is uh, your faith lived out. Um, be filled up with God's Spirit first and foremost. This is a present tense imperative. The Greek word is plurero, and it means to cause something to become full and to be filled. Um, this is the Apostle Paul speaking not to unchristians, but to Christians, saying, You need to, as a believer, constantly ask the Holy Spirit to help fill you up just a little bit more. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. He will never forsake you. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been permanently sealed by the Holy Spirit. He's with you, in you. He dwells in you. But you know and I know that you can live uh, more of a life where you, the Spirit of God is just having rule and reign over all of your decisions and all of your activities, all of your behavior. And what comes out of you is grace and love and uh, kindness and gentleness, all the fruits of the Spirit. So number one, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit constantly and continually. And again, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're already filled, you're already sealed. However, the Apostle Paul pushes that to Christians. This is a present tense 
This ought to be happening more and more so. So it could be in a very difficult conversation with your spouse. It could be in a difficult conversation with your kiddo. Lord Jesus, you pray. I need you to fill me with your wisdom, with your kindness, with your truth, with your grace, so that I can be a good spokesman for my kiddo here in this situation. That's being filled continually with the Holy Spirit. Number two, I would challenge all of us to embrace the fatherhood and motherhood uh, roles or someone else will. The schools want to be the parents. Some churches try to be parents. The government wants to be the parents. And parenthood is on you. It's not on us as a church. It's on you. Um, Men have a, a sacred opportunity to become husbands. And from husbandhood, you could move to, if you procreate and make some babies, you can move to fatherhood. Um, women have the great opportunity to become a wife, sacred role, sacred calling. From a, being a wife, you can procreate, have a bunch of babies, and you can become a mother. Sacred calling, holy ground, very important to the Lord. What do you need to do as a parent or grandparent? I think you need to provide direction, provision, protection, instruction, and correction. All of it. You need to be the ones that are directing your kids in how to live, what to think, uh, how to behave, what to believe about Jesus, what to believe about the Bible, what it looks like in life. You are the director as a parent. Uh, Dad, you are likened to a shepherd. Uh, Mom, you are likened, likened to a shepherdess. You shepherd your little flock. You've got a tribe. You're the tribal leaders. You provide the direction. If you don't, someone else will. Um, direction is something that you need to be able to provide. Provision. Specifically, I'll challenge uh, the mothers for a moment. Uh, according to Titus 2.5, the command is, is not that you're providing financially for your kid, for the mom. The command is, according to the Apostle Paul, to the early church and to the mothers, is that you provide care. The Scripture says, you can go and look there on your own, it says, love your husbands and your children, be self-controlled, pure, be working at home. What does that mean? What it means is, is that a mother can provide something incredible to a, her child, and that is herself. God has formed her, fashioned her, uh, made her, prepared her for motherhood. And uh, to be working at home means that you're busy managing the home at some level or another. You're working at home. Some of you can say, oh, well, can a, a Christian wife or woman or mother work outside of the home? I would say, yes, I, I think so. Look at Proverbs 31. Uh, that woman's involved in real estate. She's wheeling and dealing. But what else is she doing if you read Proverbs 31? She's very, very, very busy in the home. Uh, Mom, you cannot uh, outsource provision for your child to a daycare, to a, uh, a nanny, to the church, to the school. You're the primary caretaker. That's the unapologetic truth. Can you get a nanny? Can you do the day? Sure, you can do all that. I'm just saying there's no substitute for mom. There's none. 
Uh, we work in the foster care and the uh, adoption world of advocating for foster kids. And the fight is always, as much as possible, try to get the kid reunited to their biological family, even if it's not even that healthy. So even if it's hard, uh, mom, and you're taking pay cuts and you guys need to lower your standard of living, God's command is on the mother is you need to be very busy working at home um, because you're, you're the best. You're the most wonderful one that could do it. So, so don't deny that. First um, Timothy 5.8, the charge is for the husband to be a provider. These are the provision uh, priorities for the parent. The husband ought to be a major uh, provider for the family. There are plenty of examples where the wife might make more. Um, those are issues you have to wrestle with. I'm just telling you, the Bible never commands the wife to go earn all the income for the family. But the Bible pushes the finger on the man and says, you better provide. Are there examples of women that are crushing it in the business world? I would say Proverbs 31 is probably your closest bet. Um, but that Proverbs 31 woman is very, 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 very involved in the family life and her husband. Protection. Jesus cared about uh, uh, children. He advocated for children all the time. Uh, he said if anybody causes one of these little ones to stumble, it'd be better that he'd be thrown off into the sea. And uh, that's not a good thing. Uh, at North Valley, we have uh, a ministry that helps uh, support and protect uh, kids. Uh, we help fatherless boys. It's called Fathers in the Field. Um, and there's a command for believers to defend the cause of the fatherless. Um, one of the troubling trends is fatherless is now continuing to trend upward with over a million uh, new fatherless children uh, under the age of 18 added every year uh, to this uh, troubling trend. We have uh, generations of kids that are, don't have the protection, don't have the direction, don't have provision. Um, and why is that? It's because the family's breaking down. Uh, the greatest crisis in our generation is actually the breakdown of the family. And it's happening with the identity crisis of the individual. Um, boys can choose to be girls. Girls can choose to be boys. The breakdown of the family relationships. God has a plan and a purpose on how everything works. And his ways are always better than our ways. Um, and when it screws up and when it falls apart, what should happen? What should happen is the church steps in and says, I'll, I'll help. Provides protection. Did you know in the early church in the first century, um, where we get that whole term, raising up a child? Have you ever heard of that before? Uh, how are you doing raising your kids? Are you raising up your children? Well, that term comes from the Greco-Roman culture when a man would go look at a child and he would decide whether that child would be cared for and nurtured in their home or not based on the gender of that child. Oftentimes, a female was discarded, exposed to the elements, and the young boys were kept. And it was tradition, the man would grab the child if it was a boy or if he liked it, and then he would hold it up and raise it up, and that was the sign and the symbol that this child is a chosen child, shall be raised by the father and the mother. If it was deformed or if it was a female, they would discard him, and then guess who stepped in? Christians. They stepped in. 
You look all throughout history, of world history, it's the Christians that are actually very much standing up for the social causes. It's the Christians that cared for the weak, uh, for the insignificant. It was Christians that supported the women in the early century and said, we're different, they're equal. Um, it was the Christians that were actually along the lines of helping free the idea of all uh, slaves should be treated equal. The, the Christians were involved in the abolition of slavery, were protectors. Provide instruction, provide correction. We must do these kinds of things. Let's jump to number three. I want to challenge you to clarify the goal of parenting. Um, what is the goal of parenting? What should we do? How should we think about this? Here's a, a, a goal. The goal of parenting ought to be to raise kids to be independent of parents and dependent on God. For the men in the room, they probably like this idea. For the women in the room, they might have a little more questions about it. Um, that's normal. Why is that? Because when the baby is born, that baby has what's called an umbilical cord. It's connected to mom. And when that umbilical cord is cut, now that baby is not connected to mom. But God hardwired the woman the mother to want that child, to love that child, to nurture that child, and be dependent, uh, the baby to be dependent on mom in such a unique way. Biologically, um, uh, relationally, so many unique components there. But the call is, is that we raise kids to be independent. And what we have is a lot of what I call helicopter parenting, where they don't want any kids to make any mistakes, and they are uh, viewing and watching everything, and they fail to let them launch. We have in today's society what's called extended adolescence. Have you heard of that? It's called the Peter Pan syndrome by sociologists. It's basically kids never grow up to be men or women. There's no rite of passage for manhood or womanhood. Um, what is the goal of parenting? It's to get them to depend on Jesus. Did Jesus say something like this? Did, was Jesus into that kind of idea? Here's what Jesus said, Matthew 10, 37. Listen to this. Jesus said, hey, whoever, whoever you guys love, your mom or your dad, your father or your mother, you're not worthy to follow me. In other words, Jesus said, if you love dad more than me, you can't follow me. If you love your mom more than me, you're not worthy. That is Jesus. I mean, that's crazy sounding, isn't it? That's the intensity of that. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because there's only one Savior. He's the only one that can bring that fulfillment and desire that, 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 uh, that, that we all need. Priority numero uno for us, ladies and gentlemen, is Jesus Christ first uh, and foremost. Clarifying the goal of parenting, we got to get these kids to depend on themselves, not ourselves. Number four, I would say just teach them grace and truth. Teach them to be full of God's grace, gracious people, to learn, to, to aspire, to say, hey, I'm a gracious person. Um, but yet full of truth. And our culture tends and trends in two different directions, especially in evangelicalism or progressive Christianity, right? It's all grace, it's no truth. You need both. 
you go all truth without grace, you become the fundamentalist, you become the bigot, you become the silenced one, you become marginalized, and you're all truth. In my, my marriage, um, Leslie um, will tell you this, she's going to come up at the end of the message, and we're going to go through a book review, 10 books in 10 minutes, Lord willing, and we're going to share with you things that we've learned about grace and truth as a couple. But she would tell you uh, she's more truth and I'm more grace. Some of you are like that, right? You're just like, some of you are just more naturally more gracious and oriented towards how you parent, and then the others are like more, it's the rules, it's the law. So every once in a while when I'm just, you know, trying to have a little fun in the marriage or in the household, I'll be like, you guys, kids, you got to get ready. Leslie's law book's about to come out. And she'll be like, well, if you do what dad says, he'll just let you do anything he wants, uh, anything you guys want to do. So that's why she tells me before she leaves now, I mean, we just had this conversation in conflict, unfortunately, yesterday. Um, And she told me to do something, and it had to do with electronics, and it had to do with my youngest daughter, and we were going on a date. Uh, We went on a date last night. We went country dancing. It was a lot of fun. And... uh, she told me I was supposed to do something, and I just did not do that. And it was not because I wanted to blatantly disregard her request. It's literally, I just forgot. It goes in one ear and out the other. So I've learned I have to write the laws down sometimes. I have to write the rules down, the plan, you know, and uh, I did not do that. So full of grace, full of truth. Jesus is that perfect example, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, John 1, 14 through 15, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is Jesus, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father. He was full of and is full of grace and full of truth. Like that's the perfect picture. You want to be a gracious parent. You want to be a very truthful parent. Um, truth is uh, very important. We live in a post-truth uh, world where it is literally, it does not matter if things don't make sense because it's offensive. So therefore, we discard it. Even though it may be true, it doesn't mean it's right. So the whole gender conversation, you can argue all day long with folks about, you know, when a, a, a young individual or an adult chooses to swap genders, you're like, biologically, that just didn't happen, okay? Psychologically, it might have happened, but it did not just happen. And so there's an abandonment of truth in today's time. And if you err on truth, I'm just telling you as a Christian, it's not enough. What the your friends need or what your, you, you need in your relationship is not necessarily more truth, it's truth with grace. It's learning to love people, but then give them truth, but never void the truth. And I think what happens is in today's time as parents, we don't, I mean, you can be in trouble for doing anything. Oh, how dare you even try to discipline your child? You know, that's just bad. How many of you got a paddle or so got paddled in high school, raise your hand. I see, yes, you guys, look at you bad guys right there. Yes. Uh, how many of you ever, this is a brave moment, how many of you ever got spanked so hard a paddle broke on your butt? Raise your hand right there. Whoa, we got some ladies getting broken. Look at these kids. They're like, me, me. <laughs> yeah, me too. That happened to me. I remember I went to the, 
uh, principal's office. I had two wallets on both sides of my pockets. And he said, I don't think you have that much money. Why don't you empty those wallets? So I pulled them out. And then, boy, he gave me Mr. Yancey. He said, whack. And that thing broke. And he goes, don't worry, I have another one. Um, we don't do that anymore. You'll get sued for that. Um, the Bible tells us that discipline is important. Um, number five, unapologetic truth. We need to partner with the church family. Um, we need to partner with the church family. Um, this looks like realizing that you can't drop your kids off at our church and think that we're going to be your par- the parents of your kids. Um, parenthood belongs to you. Partnership belongs to us. Uh, we want to partner with parents to be all that they can be, be the great mom, be the great dad. Uh, partnership is part of the church family. Here's out of Ephesians again, Ephesians 3:20 20 through 21. Um, just beautiful passage about the glory of Christ and the glory of God throughout the generations. It's a benediction, and it says uh, this, and he's laying down the foundation. Um, as he's going to give specific instruction to husbands, wives, and moms and dads and children. He says, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, you and I have power through in Jesus Christ, to him be the glory in the church, the church there's glory, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, churches need to be about knowing that we're going to make an impact in the next generations. Parents need to partner with the church for the glory of God. Parents need to say, I want to be in partnership with this youth ministry, with the kids program. I don't want to just drop off my kid and say, I hope you help make them better. They've been so disrespectful at home. Do you know what that's actually an indication of? You. When God looks at the household, there's probably one man he's coming for, and that one man is the husband first and foremost. No matter even if how dysfunctional perhaps the the mother has been or the wife has been, the leadership falls on the men. And so this challenge is is that we need to be a a partnered in ministry together. Parents, dad, you are pastor dad. I'll call you pastor dad. You're, You're pastor father. You're pastor parent. You're pastor grandparent. Moms, you're ministers. You have a role of ministry in in your household. There's no greater minister uh, in the household than the mom. There's no greater pastor in the home other than dad. So I want to challenge you that. And then number six, I would say this is we need to adjust with the seasons of our kids' life. Uh, This is really important. Um, This is more philosophical uh, than it is uh, theological or biblical. Um, I think it is true, um, but you could push back and and disagree, and we can still be friends. Um, I would say that, um, and the foundation for my ideas here, it it comes out of Ecclesiastes 3.1 when it says, for in everything there's a season and a time for every matter. I think of when kids are growing up, I mastered in education, um, I, I think of developmental stages, and I think there's stages where the parent has to change the way they are positioning themselves, and their role should transition with the age and the development of the kid, right? So let's go through it. Um, in the beginning, when you're, you're, you have a little kid, say, let's just say infancy to 12th grade, the parent's primarily, primary responsibility, in my assessment, would be is they, they serve as teachers, 
They teach him everything. <laughs> they teach him not to hit, not to steal, not to bite, to share. I mean, you tell, no, we don't share. No, no. You know, I mean, like, you are the teacher. You teach him to go potty. You, you celebrate when they figured it out. You are the teacher. And you do this not just when they're babies, you do it when they're older. Hey, listen, when you get into a disagreement, you don't throw your stuff on the floor and run into your room. Like, you talk about it. You're teaching. When they get older in school, you help them to go, hey, look, just because somebody uh, made you mad, it doesn't mean they're not your friend anymore. Like, you can actually go and uh, work it out. You, you become their teacher. Uh, when they are trying to figure out how to study, when they're trying to figure out how to manage money, when they're trying to figure out everything, there's always a first everything. You, be, you are the teacher. But then in college, something changes. Um, Many of the students go um, out of the home and they are moving into a different season of life. I think they should become the coach. Parents should begin to think of like a coach. Hey, you can either win or you can fail in life. Do you want to win or do you want to fail? Hey, this impacts not only you, it impacts our whole family. I love you. I'm here for you. But if you want to uh, excel and grow in college, Here's what it's going to take. Are you willing to put in the hard work? No, I'm not. Okay, let's not go. That's coaching. A player doesn't show up to the team and tell the coach, yeah, I want to, I want to be in the championship, man. All right, buddy, you need to go to the gym every day. You need to pump iron. You need to uh, beef up your workout program. You need to put in extra time and practice. No, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. Get off the team. Um. Coaching is a very critical thing. What is the primary role of coaching, in my opinion? It's encouraging and edifying, finding the gifts, and then helping them excel to do well. It's looking at the individual and saying, I want the best for you. And if I got the best for you, then it's going to be best for the team. Let's make this work. After college, I think there's a time frame when the parent should transition to a consultant. And this is the idea that you're not up all in their grill all the time. They've graduated from college. Uh, they're of at least that age frame um, in their early 20s or late, late teens. And now you become a consultant. Hey, I'm here for you. I'm proud of you. If you need help in navigating relationships or career steps, I'm here for you. If you don't want my help, that's okay. But this is important for the parent and the grandparent because if the parent or the grandparent is trying to be the primary teacher for the young man who's 18 years old, you are not letting them grow up. You are creating a dependency that is unhealthy. What is the goal? The goal is independence of you and dependence on God. And you say, well, is there any further biblical foundation for that? Aha, yes, there is. How about Genesis when it says, for this reason, a, 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 a man will leave his household, leave, leave, and then go cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. So there is a call for us to navigate, I think, into these seasons and stages and roles over time with our kids. I think additionally, the last one would be friend. Say that you got adult kids. Well, guess what? Don't be the teacher. They don't need you to teach them. 
You say, yes, they do. Well, you're not the right one. Well, they need uh, coaching. Yeah, probably so. They should go hire a life coach. That's popular today, right? <laughs> Get a life coach. Like, those, those are great. Uh, they work. They are helpful, but you're not that life coach. They need a consultant. Probably so. But what should you be first and foremost? You should just be a friend. I want to be, be truthful with you. I want to be gracious with you. Um, they have a marriage now. They have kids. You're their friend. You're not their teacher. Uh, that's important. Proverbs 22.6 says this, train up a child in the way he should go, the way he should go, even when he's old, he will not depart from it. I think it's a powerful principle for us to remember. Last one is this, is invest into a lifetime of learning. And uh, this is so important. I read a lot. I read probably 50 to 60 books uh, a year. Um, that means sometimes in a given week, one book a week or something like that. Sometimes they're really small books. Sometimes they're big books. Um, and what we want to do this morning is share with you 10 of our favorite books as it relates to parenting. So if you will, welcome up my wife, Leslie. Wonderful, wonderful wife. And uh, we're going to discuss some of our top 10 favorite books. So, sweetie, thanks for being here again. And no cowboy boots yeah. today. Um, but we did it last night, and so today let's talk about 10 books yes. that we love. Hi, well thanks for having me. I love talking about parenting. It's definitely a topic that is close to my heart. Um, I was not raised in a Christian home, so when Ryan and I were ready to start having kids, first thing I did was pray, and then I started reading books. Um, so I'm excited to share with you our top 10 list for raising kids. You know, we are not perfect parents. There are no perfect parents, but what we are is intentional. So we work really hard to be intentional with our kids. So should we jump in? Yep, let's jump in. Number one book, we're going to say the Bible. The Bible. The Bible, the uh, best yeah. book in the world, the truth that you need. And by the way, we're doing a, a series a, a Thursday at noon. Ten Commandments and how that relates to parenting. So if you want to join us on Facebook, uh, I'll be doing that with Pastor Craig Nelson. Yeah. Okay, so the Jesus Storybook Bible is great. If you have grandkids, this is a great book for grandkids too. The tagline is, every story whispers his name. So I love how this Bible points to Jesus even in, in the Old Testament stories. It's got great art and illustrations all through um, the book. It's recommended for ages three to nine, and it's great for bedtime stories. We will say that many men have come to us and told us, especially the dads that were maybe disconnected from the local church, they come up and they whisper things like, hey, Pastor Ryan, thanks for that book. I've learned so much about the Bible through that little book. Because it helps. I mean, it just gets you into to the understanding the scriptures. So if that's you, do it. It helps me. That's all my message prep, that book yeah. right there. No. So... <laughs> It's definitely important also, I think, at some point to give your kids their own Bible. So a leather-bound Bible is really special. Have their name inscribed on the front cover. And uh, make, it, make it, you know, a really special situation by, like, maybe it's a baptism and you give them a Bible for a baptism gift. Or maybe it's a birthday or a Christmas gift. But make it special. Um, for teenagers, I think the Holy Bible app is a great option, too, because they can have it on their phone. It's everywhere they go, scriptures at their fingertips. And then also, I think modeling, kids seeing you read the Bible yeah. 
is really important. Yeah, that's, I, I remember looking back on my, parent, my, uh, my mom and my dad, and I watched them go to the Bible. And they, uh, we did not have a perfect family, but I remember thinking, they believe that. They really believe that. I don't believe that, but they believe that, and I'm glad they believe that. And now I believe that. So. so. Okay, second book, outside of the Bible, this book, Grace-Based Parenting, has had the biggest impact on our parenting. It's um, really shaped our philosophy. This is by Dr. Tim Kimmel. He founded a ministry called Family Matters. It's based in Scottsdale. So we've done workshops on this, this book. Um, Okay, it talks about the three inner needs that every child has, which is a secure love, a significant purpose, and a strong hope. And then it helps lay out a good foundation of what grace looks like in a home, and that's giving kids freedoms. And the four freedoms that it it walks you through is the freedom to be different, the freedom to be vulnerable, the freedom to be candid, and the freedom to make mistakes. Mm, Very, very grace-oriented, very, very good book. So, yep. Okay, next is The Treasure Tree. If you love personality tests, you'll love this book. This is by John Trent and Gary Smalley. Gary Smalley was a family counselor and speaker for Focus on the Family. John Trent has his master's in theology and a PhD in family counseling. This book helps kids understand different personality types, their own, and celebrate their strengths and other strengths. So it's the story of four animals a lion, an otter, a golden retriever, and a beaver. And the story is that they're searching for the golden keys to a treasure tree. And on their adventure, they discover that their different character traits are some of the most precious treasures that they have. And so it's really fun to read as a family, help your kids understand who they are and then how they relate to others. Like how do they relate to their siblings, their parents, even their friends and teachers. And then at the end of the book, there's a personality checklist. And this book's great for kids ages 4 to 10. And you can probably read that, like, in one sitting or two sittings or three. Or two. two. Okay. okay. Um, next is God's Design for Sex by Stan and Brenna Jones. Stan has a Ph.D. in psychology, and he's also a Christian expert on sexuality. So, you know, this is not an easy topic to have. So it requires actually a set of four books. This is a set of four books. And it's not just, the idea is that it's not just like one conversation about the birds and the bees. It's a lifetime of conversations. And so the first book in the series is called The Story of Me. It's for ages three to five. And this is more like where do babies come from and how did God make our bodies? The second book is Before I Was Born, and this is for ages five to eight. And this is, addresses like the difference between boys and girls, God's plan for marriage, for family, conception, fetal development, and childbirth. Of course, it's all on a kid's level. And then the next book is What's the Big Deal, eight to 12 years old. And this says about what God says about sex in the Bible, saving sex for marriage. It's a great book on puberty and all the hard topics. And then the last book in the series is called Facing the Facts. This is for 12 to 16-year-olds. And this has all the hot topics that you need to talk about. And, you know, Ryan mentioned this earlier, but your kids need to, you need to have these conversations because if they don't come to you, they're going to go to their friends or the Internet, and you don't want that. Yeah. I mean, teaching on sexuality can feel like a taboo as a parent. 
but good grief. It's one of the greatest uh, pieces of conversation in the public uh, space right now. So if you're not teaching appropriate so sexual ethics, then somebody else is. So I told you, like, you choose what you want. You want to parent your kids or you want to let the school parent your kids? You want to parent your kids or you want the hope the church parents your kids or let the government parent your kids? So no, they're your kids and you're responsible for them. So teach them, instruct them. So this, these are some great resources. We'll provide, I would say if you're like thinking, oh, I want one of those books or whatever, you can go back and listen on the recording later and, and get it down or snap photos while you're here. We'll be back there after the service to talk to you. Yeah. Okay, another book is Eight Great Dates by Dana Gresh. This um, is for mothers, daughters. This is Eight Dates for Mothers and Daughters. And it's all focused around biblical truths that affirm your daughter's value in Christ, protect her heart, and help her understand her changing body's body and emotions. So the tagline for this book is how to talk about cool fashion, true beauty, and dignity. And this book is geared for kids 9 to 11 years old. Yeah, and when our daughters hit that 9-year uh, age mark, it's so cool because this is kind of like a pathway or a rite of passage into womanhood. So like who's having that conversation with your kids? Like what does it mean to be a woman? Oh, I think there's a two-hour documentary out. You could watch that. You know, it's like that's not going to be helpful. So these are rites of passage for biblical womanhood that you're doing over how long does the eight great dates take? Like over years or well, weeks I mean, or months? I would say a year. A year? Over the course of a year. All right. And let's talk about manhood. Okay. Next is Raising a Modern Day Night by Robert Lewis. He was a pastor and speaker from Little Rock, Arkansas. And if the men in here, if anybody's been involved in the 33 series, he created the original material for 33. So this is a book. Um, it's a biblical perspective of manhood with a unique approach to shaping a boy into the man into a man by equipping him with three essential elements, a vision, a code of conduct, and a transcendent cause in which to invest his life. Yeah, and I would say that's good for the, the mom and the dad because you want to be on the same page, like on what it looks like to raise your little girl to womanhood, what it takes to raise your, your young boy into manhood. Um, those are foundational, great resources. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, another one is Passport, uh, excuse me, Passport to Purity by Dennis and Barbara Rainey. Dennis is the founder of Family Life in, based in Little Rock, Arkansas. So this is actually a kit more than it is a book, but it's a kit for a weekend getaway for mothers and daughters or a weekend getaway for fathers and sons. And this helps create heart-to-heart -heart conversations with your preteen while laying a foundation of purity that prepare them for the teenage years. So this is ideal for 10 to 11 year olds. And so um, what I did was went and stayed at a hotel for a weekend with my daughter and we went through this. And Sam and I, I think we went camping. I think that's what we did. And it was a great opportunity for us to have that time together and talk about that. Yep. Okay, next. Taming the Technology Monster by Sissy Goff. Sissy is a licensed professional counselor, and she's director of child and adolescent counseling at Daystar Counseling Ministries in Nashville. I love all of her content. She has a really good podcast. 
So the tagline of this book is Eight Guiding Principles for Raising Digital Natives. This is an easy book. You can read this in like an hour. But I think it's so important because we are parenting in a new generation. Like we didn't grow up with all this technology. And so uh, this is a really good, important book that will help. Yeah, and I think probably the kid, the average kid in, in America right now is on technology like five to eight hours a day. That's a long time. So you got to figure out like, wait a second, <laughs> is that healthy or is that not healthy? I don't think it's healthy. So, um, all right, let's go to the next one. Next, Raising Worry-Free Girls by Sissy Goff. Again, the author of the technology book. So the tagline on this book is helping your daughter feel braver, stronger, and smarter in an anxious world. So anxiety is one of the biggest mental health problems facing kids, mm -hmm. teens, and adults. This is a really good book. If you are a teacher, a coach, or a youth worker, I highly recommend you read this book. And the principles can apply to girls or boys. Mm. And especially and this, for, for the parents to read that, yeah. Yeah, and it's effective strategies for kids ages 6 to 18. Yeah. Okay, and last we have Boundaries with Teens by Dr. Dr. John Townsend. He's a psychologist and leadership specialist. The tagline of this book is When to Say Yes and How to Say No. So this is a great reference guide. If you've got, like, you name the topic or issue that you're dealing with, and you can look it up in the book, and uh, they have a section on anything you can imagine, like from disrespect, lying, deception, to kids that run away. Like there's, this is a great reference book. I highly recommend it. So, you know, I hope you like this book list and there's at least something on there that you will want. Um, all these books are on Amazon. If you're a first time guest, we have a lot of free copies in the back corner over there at the connection corner for you to grab one. Parenting is not easy. And, you know, I feel like we're all in this together, but having great resources really helps. Yep, I agree. Let's pray. Um, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for my wife and uh, the co-heir of grace in this wonderful life that we have together. And I thank you for um, the parents that are in the room and, and uh, grandparents, parents, and uh, what a ministry that they have to make a difference in the lives of um, those they love. I pray that you would give them extra measures of grace and uh, a conviction of truth, that they would love truth more and more. Um, Lord, that they would be lifetime learners, all for your glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.